We're uh, Mixed Media. We discuss art, everything when it comes to film, gaming, music. Um, those are our sorts of uh, niches, expertises. Uh, but we also like to talk about talk about anything art related in general. You know, I, I've talked about economics as it relates to uh, artists who are sort of striking it out on their own. Um, we've talked about philosophical topics. We like to talk about anything art. Really, the goal, I think, uh, at least is the way I think about it, is to sort of provide discussion that's a little bit more in depth than you're probably used to about a wide variety of things, and hopefully the sort of combination of uh, our three different sort of areas of interest gives you a broad idea of, uh, I don't know, a different perspective on art. You know, as we combine them, we riff off each other and all that kind of stuff, um, add each other's uh, two cents, uh, maybe argue with each other on occasion, um, or whatever it is that you can benefit from that at the end of the day from our combined insight. And uh, yeah, the goal for me, uh, at least, is to sort of continue to elevate the uh, the presence of art in our everyday lives um, and make that a little less um, superficial, I guess is the right word, um, in the way that we think about what we consume on the day-to-day because it's it's the kind of thing where as we become wealthier, we consume more of it, but a lot more thoughtlessly. It's, it's a very interesting sort of paradox going on. Um, whereas, you know, maybe if you saw art a little less, you would... Uh, treat it with a little bit more reverence right but anyway that, that's a whole thing i'm not going to get into <laughs> but yeah in this segment i'll be talking about dune dune is a 2021 release it's still in a lot of cinemas although i was late to watch it so i'm kind of at the trail end of the interest peak here which is okay um i didn't get a chance to watch it you know when it just came out this movie was in production for a long time um it sort of bounced around in terms of its release date because the theater situation was questionable and whether they could, you know, make money and blah, blah, blah. So we ended up with an October um, release for Dune. And so I'm going to be talking about, as you can see in the title, that it was a little bit disappointing uh, for me. Not just a little bit, sorry. I should say it was a lot of bit disappointing. And I have a lot of spicy opinions in here. Um, but I hope that you know that I'm not just trying to be controversial for the sake of controversial or anything like that. I just... I actually want to know what people see in this film. I, I want to understand. I would I would like to understand it. So if you want to let me know what you think about the film, uh, if you're listening right now, just chat. But if you're uh, listening in post, uh, I don't know, hit us up in, in the various ways that you, you can. So you can let me know what your thoughts are on Dune. And I'll almost certainly respond to them our next show um, if you do so. Uh, so yeah, Dune. I guess I'll go first into the context in which I saw it, the context of which the film was made. So I saw it uh, in IMAX. I've only seen one other film in IMAX, believe it or not. Um, it's not something that I could do uh, when I was younger because there was no IMAX theater in any reasonable distance from my house. So we really only had one theater of size uh, near my house growing up. Um, so that, you know, I, I went to the same theater every single time. And I actually appreciate that theater a lot more now as I experience a lot more diverse viewing conditions. I didn't realize how diverse viewing conditions could be um, at different theaters, especially big chains. Even, you know, some theaters are drastically different from others. 
Um, I appreciate the quality of that theater. So shout out to you, Freehold Metroplex, um, <laughs> AMC Freehold Metroplex, for having a good theater. So yeah, I saw it in IMAX. The only other film I saw in IMAX was Dunkirk. And that was a little bit different because I saw Dunkirk projected on 60, uh, from 65 millimeter film, I believe. Either that or it was... Uh, no, yeah, I think it was 65-millimeter print that it was uh, projected off of. So they were projecting in the IMAX fil- uh, theater off of the actual roll of film. So this is a very analog experience. Um, and I actually had a very bad time watching Dunkirk. I, well, I had a bad time because my expectations for Dunkirk were, uh, were kind of... Uh, I was kind of let down with the film in general. But also the viewing experience was kind of not great um for me at least um oh no i'm frozen it's because someone's calling me that always happens when someone calls me it's very inconvenient okay i'll be frozen for a moment until the call goes away <laughs> but yeah and, and it had a bad experience with dunkirk because there was this flicker that was very aggressive with um with this 65 millimeter projection oh for some reason the call has affected ben's uh, aspect ratio as well that's strange okay there we go we're all we're all good now and there's this aggressive flicker. There's this weird, uneven, uneven luminance on the screen. And overall, I was excited to watch a great film projection. And I realized there was a lot of limitations to the physical aspect of projecting film of that size. And it really distracted from the experience and kind of soured my opinion of IMAX after I paid that much money for the ticket. But Dune, I think, uh, not I think, Dune uh, was projected digitally IMAX uh, in the theater. Although I believe. No, no, actually, no. Uh, I'm confusing it because I saw multiple films in one day. Uh, but I, I believe it was produced digitally as well. Um, so I, I believe uh, the cameras are all digital. So a total digital experience. And the IMAX projection was perfect, flawless. In fact, I'm kind of, I kind of really like it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. The huge, the gigantic screen when everything is working properly. The theater I was in had a, a, a much better sound system than a lot of other theaters I've experienced. So definitely a high quality sound to go with the gigantic, nicely projected image was a good experience. Oh no, I'm frozen again. What the heck is going on here? Oh no. (laughs) There we go. I'm back. Okay. So the projection was great is is what I was going to say. And now I probably will want to watch other, especially gigantic blockbusters that were shot on large format cameras. Yeah, I can see the appeal now uh, for spending that little extra money. Uh, on occasion, I get it. Um, although I think for most films, it's not 100% required or anything like that. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a novelty. Okay, so yeah, projected great. Had a great viewing experience in that sense. The circumstances in which the film was made, like I said, it was delayed. But uh, let's t- take a look at the money for a moment. This film was very expensive. <laughs> um to create, which makes a lot of sense. As I was watching, I was like, this looks like money on the screen. And that's exactly what it is. It had a uh, Marvel movie budget, uh, essentially. Uh, its budget was, let's see, I have it written down here. I believe its budget was $165 million. Um, you know, definitely on the bigger side. Not an Avengers movie, but like, you know, <laughs> definitely on the bigger side there. And its revenue uh, domestically was $41 million as of today, which is not good. A little bit better when you look at global, which is $220 million. Also not great. 
um, because remember, the rule of thumb is that you have to double the, the production budget to account for marketing. And I definitely know Dune was marketed heavily um, just because I was assaulted by it uh, here in New York City. The marketing for Dune was like literally everywhere. Um, and so I, I think it definitely uh, was expensive. So that means the total production of the film, you know, could cost something like $330 million. So they've only made $220 million thus far, and we're this far out into uh, its theatrical release. Uh, that's not good. That's that's definitely not good. I think that that the film was might have been too expensive for its own good in the sense of what it should have expected for revenues. Um, although it didn't anticipate, of course, what would happen to uh, theaters in the intervening time. Um, so there's that. I don't think, by the way, that that number is lagging because the movie's bad or anything like that. I think that number is lagging for a whole bunch of uh, surrounding re- reasons. Um, is is it like? I, I assume I don't. I don't. I haven't heard anything about it being released on any like, you know, streaming service or anything anywhere else. But you know, if, it, if it's available anywhere else. No, I don't think it is. Uh, I think it got a proper theatrical release, and that's because. I think the director Denis Villeneuve has, has a uh, as a uh, sort of wanted to keep that uh, sort of sanctity of the theater, which I'm all for. Uh, it didn't really work, um, and you can you can check out a they have various episodes about theaters and what's wrong with them and all that kind of stuff. If, if you go and look in our in our history, you'll find a whole bunch of episodes about why theaters aren't doing very well. It's not just the pandemic that caused this problem. The pandemic just kind of uh, made the problem extremely obvious. Um, so check those out. I don't blame him. I don't think it's his fault. I think it's uh, mostly theater's fault and the ongoing situation. So it's a whole host of factors here. I think this movie would have normally made you know, its money back. Would it have been as successful as they probably thought when they funded the film? Is a different question. Probably not, which is it's just kind of crazy. Just because the film's expense is so large. <laughs> So, big disclaimer before I talk about specific details. I know nothing about the Dune universe. And if you didn't know, Dune is a book series. I think there are four or five books. I'm not 100% sure. I've never read them. I heard about Dune as a, like, you know, cultural thing. Like, a few times in my life, I didn't know anything about it. I still don't know anything about it besides what I've seen in the film. I know there are a lot of hardcore Dune fans out there. Don't kill me for things that I say because I literally don't know anything about it. But it's a sci-fi series that takes a sort of, from what I can tell, a sort of, like, real politique sort of approach to sci-fi. Very much so, uh, almost like Game of Thrones. Think about Game of Thrones more but more sci-fi and more like a space epic sort of uh vibe to it um and since i said space epic the general gist of it without spoiling anything of course is that we're following sort of this uh royal family who has a son who has a lot of mysteries surrounding him great book the first movie was terrible yeah (laughs) um the first, I don't know if, if, no, if you're referring to the first movie, the original, because this mo- this was made into a movie. Uh, I actually don't know when it was made. Um, so if, you refer- if you've seen this last one, uh, let me know. Um, but yeah, it it's it's a very interesting universe that's set in. We end up on a planet called that's nicknamed Dune, and it's basically one gigantic sand uh, dune. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, it's one gigantic sand planet, and it has worms, and the worms are very important. 
and uh, water is also uh, very important. 1980, yeah. Yeah, I've seen clips from the 1980 version. It looks very pathetic when, and strange. When was the book originally written? Either the, the late 60s or the 70s, something like that, I believe. Now, I don't know how faithful the reproduction is in the movie. Um, so everything I say, again, uh, take with that sort of caveat. Um, the first thing I'll copy, com before I get into the spicy details, the first thing I'll comment on is the music, because this is a Hans Zimmer score. I really paid, I paid attention, well, I paid attention anyway, especially after these podcasts, I pay attention more in sort of different ways. But, you know, Hans Zimmer took a lot of time out of his schedule to do the score for Dune. You know, he didn't work with uh, Nolan like he normally does in order to do the Dune soundtrack. So I was like, you know, expecting something interesting you know different and i there you know i know ben has strong feelings about zimmer <laughs> but you know there are certain scores of, that i feel like are a lot better put together than uh than some of the sort of zimmerism scores uh the ones that come to mind in particular are like interstellar thin red line uh, which I think is his best score. Dark Knight, which is not a score you can just go and listen to, but I think fits the film absolutely perfectly and iconically and memorably. Um, uh, Inception, I think, yeah, has, you know, that melody that everyone remembers. But then there's kind of the rest. <laughs> you're, you're, you're leaving out any mention of his animated films. Oh right, yes, 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 yes. I can't. Uh, I can't. Uh, what is it? A Prince of Egypt. Of course, I can't. I can't. Yeah, that. and am I know, missing an? Oh, Lion King. Lion King. Are. Yeah, hey, exactly. Lion King. Yes, yes, yes. So yes, of course, those are great. Uh, I forgot this dude's been everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the the. A lot of his other films are not are kind of feel derivative of uh, of 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 his his own content basically <laughs> um sort of copies here and there so yeah I, I get the critique as well um in this film it is definitely in the derivative category which is extremely extremely upsetting like i can't describe to you as i heard the first sort of uh major musical piece play out in the film how disappointed i was that it just felt like a zimmerism right it felt like this very like percussive loud but characterless in this case you know like very much so could blend in uh with other major blockbuster scores that he's done minus i think what he might have spent the most of his time on this very interesting uh percussive sound that is very unique and this very interesting rhythm that's it's hard to describe if you if you haven't listened to it that is definitely memorable um but it's about three seconds long <laughs> maybe two seconds long and that's the only interesting thing about the score other than these long droning oppressive you know uh sort of zimmerisms uh that appear throughout the entire film um and i'm sure if uh, ben you haven't seen it yet right okay yeah you i'm know. sure I'm sure you'd have plenty of thoughts if you if you heard it. Do you have any comment on? I know I mentioned this um, when we were talking about the film in our one of our news segments a while ago about the um, the volume of of the the soundtrack. Oh, very loud. Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. The entire film is extremely loud. I didn't find it loud to the point of discomfort, mm -hmm. but definitely a louder than average film. Not as loud as Dunkirk. Dunkirk is 
bombastically loud uh and i think that's on purpose to sort of try to put you in like the war zone sort of space um interesting i i know you know a lot of like musicians that i talked to like either in person or online just about how like oppressive like the sound is how you need to wear earplugs when you see this film so yeah yeah it is definitely i mean Oh, there are plenty and plenty and plenty of sequences where the soundtrack just kind of takes over the entire soundscape and it's this and that's the setting part is when that happens i want it to be a star wars moment for a big blockbuster film right and it just never happens and i'm kind of waiting for that that moment where every i think oh, is he building on some some something and uh, suddenly we're going to get this explosive theme that comes out of nowhere and it never happens there are no melodies in this film I think, I mean, that has to be done on purpose, you know, that there are no melodies in this film. And I think it, I'll explain with, you know, other aspects of the film why this kind of coincides with other choices that I didn't really like. Um, but I think it was purposely kept very oppressive and droning and characterless besides the drums, like I said. And I don't think that was a, a the correct decision. I, I think it would have benefited from, you know, strong melodies uh, memorable melodies. It, it was just kind of sad uh, that I, you know, you probably no nobody probably not probably no one left the film with anything memorable in their head, which I think is a mistake. Okay, so that's the music. Now for the visuals, I expected this movie to be a skept- uh, spectacle, visually speaking, and it is quite the 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 spectacle. I agree with a lot of people in that I think Denis films uh, gigantic shots very well. Um, he frames things. He has this uh, good eye. I'm not sure if this is him or a cinematographer or, or, or what's going on there. Um, but he has this good eye for creating scale beautifully. So it's not just like putting a human next to the giant worm and saying, oh, look, it's huge, right? It's like creating this uh, very nicely composed frame where you got that comparison object of like a human and you see the worm, but it's more interesting than that almost always, you know, in terms of how the lines cut across the screen and foreground, midground, background, all that kind of stuff is usually done a lot more thoughtfully. Um, so I really appreciated that. And the planets and the set design and the costumes, everything was really, really well done. Like very detailed, very, a lot of attention to detail. Nothing felt out of place as if some intern did this thing, you know, or like some amateur did that thing. Everything felt nice and cohesive um, in terms of the uh, art direction in general. Uh, I remember looking at, there's this city planet on Dune that, a city planet, city uh, on Dune that is gigantic and has this just crazy architecture and it looks freaking phenomenal um, definitely a, a sort of a, a spectacle sort of situation going on here the vfx is phenomenal as well except in a few random places where it kind of threw me out like where just some random thing wasn't done as well and that feels like a, a time constraint problem like just randomly something wasn't given enough love and uh, i have unfortunately too sensitive and a sensitive of an eye to to ignore it although many people may just not notice you know especially when most of the time it's it's pretty excellent then it comes to the 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 part of the film that i think is the part that irritated me the most and that is the actual story itself now this is not a spoiler you get this uh sort of thing in the first literally the first frame of the film i think it's literally the first frame of the film where it says dune part one 
Now, I did not know what the layout would be for the future of the Dune franchise. I think the marketing is very misleading for how the film is portrayed. Now, I'm not saying that they promised me that it was only going to be one film, and I didn't. I suspected that there would be more more than one film going in. But I'll explain in a moment why the way the film was marketed marketed sort of left a bad taste at the end of the, at the end of the film because um, it, it's going for a very particular thing that it was not selling you and it's advertising. So that being said, this story is very much so a first of many, and very obviously a first of many. And when I say many, I mean a first of a lot from the pace that this film took. You know, I'm thinking maybe there's a film per book. I don't know how the books are structured, or maybe there's two films per book. I wouldn't even be surprised if there's two films per book. That's the kind of pace that we took through this film. The biggest problem with this movie to me, and I would love for people to explain to me because I'm clearly the minority here, is I didn't see any point to anything. That's a very strong statement, but I've thought about it a lot, and I I really couldn't come to a, a resolution here. The problem with Dune is that it's about a lot of things. And it's definitely got that sort of Game of Thrones style where we've got this these pol- this politics happening. We've got this sort of uh I mean literally the film is like has this like mercantile economics going on, you know, we've got these feudal planets and like you've got these like, you know, uh you know, relationships between lords and then you've got it going all the way down into the economics and then you've got this mystic uh sort of uh, really cool uh, from an idea perspective. This this cool mystic overtone over everything of this hardcore realistic thing. You've got this sort of mystic overtone that sort of uh, overlays on top of the entire universe. There's this a, a substance called spice, which is like the most important thing in the in the entire universe, and it only exists on Dune. You know, and it it it. it changes the biology and potentially the spirituality of those who live on dune um and there's a big question about how these things fit together what's real what's not real and then besides those questions there's the questions of how people relate to each other how the politics going to resolve blah 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 that's all fine and i think the biggest thing that i came out of the film being like i feel like i watched a book if if that makes sense i feel like i watched a book i feel like i watched something that would read extremely well but was not ported into its cinematic form uh caring about the the fact that it's not going to play the same thing in its cinematic form now if you're a fan of how much of an influence the original book writer had on the movie if any i have no idea i have no idea if he's even alive <laughs> to be honest oh oh yeah maybe Man. the book is old i actually don't know okay <laughs> yeah i have zero clue um i'm really unplugged from the behind the scenes of dune but you know i know denis has said that he did not want to make this a show which i think was would be the more obvious you know direction to go with the door the dune universe he said the, a, sh- a show cannot contain the grandeur of uh of of the of the dune universe i get that sort of (laughs) i get that from a practical perspective in that a show would never fund would never be able to fund the spectacle that you need of the dune universe to an adequate degree i agree with that i mean what's what's the uh profit margin on game of thrones though don't i mean they spend a lot of money on that right they do spend a ton of money on that especially in later years when the actors uh 
you know, knew their worth. they spent tons and tons of money for sure. Uh, they, I think they've made also just tons and tons of money for sure. Yeah, I mean to be fair, I, I don't know anything about Game of Thrones. I've never, I see, I saw the first episode once. I'm like, and no, I'm not, not for me. But I did read a fascinating um, article, like a academic article, the other day on the music of Game of Thrones, and and like, I don't want to watch it, but like. It makes me interested in it and so, you know, it's not something you can like listen to without seeing yeah and the thing is uh, game of thrones was a book series and i read the first two books until uh i i think i went to college is what happened and that wrecked my uh, ability to uh, continue um and i never picked it up since because it's a very real politique book uh books and the show doesn't even cover a lot of the sort of uh, little side strands that go on um, in Game of Thrones. Uh, and it has the same sort of feeling of uh, grounded in this very real, brutal world. But there's this weird mystical thing on top. Not weird, but very intriguing mystical aspect of things on top of it. So Game of Thrones actually feels, in that sense, very similar. But it takes very well to its show. And I think the Game of Thrones universe is less about spectacle in general. Like, there's a lot less um, just stuff to take in with awe, right? It's it's definitely a lot grittier in I mean in a in a way. Whereas Dune, we're talking about planet scale things, and we're talking about worms that can devour you know machines the size of a skyscraper kind of thing. You know that that's how big these worms are, right? Like <laughs> that you know roam around on dune and so i can understand why a show could never contain that you would always try to be avoiding showing the worm right because for budgetary constraints and time constraints and all this kind of stuff it would be a much different uh, end product for sure that being said i think the game of thrones show works off of the grand game of thrones books a lot better because it's episodic it can really take in all the details it can really explore all the intricate uh, politics that that goes on in the in the uh, Game of Thrones universe, the economics, uh, the systems, the mystery, the magic, and all that kind of stuff. Whereas Dune felt more like, okay, since we're going to make a million in one of these movies, I'm going to just take the exposition part of a book, and I'm just going to make this one gigantic film. And when I say that, I mean literally this entire film was two hours of exposition for what's to come. I don't know, because I, I haven't seen the film, and I also, like, know absolutely nothing about Dune at all. I didn't even, I barely knew it was a thing at all until, like, the advertising for this thing. But I've heard that it's, like, about a third of the first book in the film. Oh, wow. Okay, that makes a lot that- of sense. <laughs> That, that's what I mean, that's what I've heard. So I, again, not I don't I, I can't say that with any certainty. But I guess Villeneuve is is really really committed to this franchise is what it sounds like because that's a lot of he'll be making these literally for the rest of his life if he's planning on making all of them. Um, <laughs> and it sounds like he's the only one who's gonna be making these because this is his brainchild. He pushed for this. He raised the money. Um, he's looking at raising the money for the next one. He's not sure where all the money is going to come from. So clearly this is a passion project for him. And if this is only a third of a book, my goodness, that is a lot of films that he's planning to make. So yeah, it felt, so if it's the first third of a book, that's literally what it felt like. It felt like the exposition portion of a book 
what would normally be in a film maybe the first 30 minutes if you're going to take that sort of structure you know where you're kind of dumping the exposition at the front just all one gigantic film which is deeply unsatisfying right the film ends and you're like okay i don't care (laughs) or at least that's how i felt you know all right i learned a lot but nothing happened i mean a lot happens i shouldn't say nothing happens but nothing connects to anything meaningful a larger picture a grander story there's a lot of questions that are be it's just like the the film is putting forth question 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 but it doesn't give you any thematic even relief you see i i think if it, if the film had a thematic core that was exposed somewhat and promised you something i would end the film caring right about what happens next but there's not even a thematic something for me to to latch onto. There's no there's no core meaning. It feels like we're doing a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't have any uh, attachment to any larger picture. Now I recognize that that larger picture might become exposed in the next film, or that the that Denise is is uh, intending for the entire uh, series to function as this beautiful big beautiful work of art in total. I just don't think that I. Personally, I don't look at features that way, feature films that way. It's one of the things that I don't like about Marvel films, although ironically, Marvel films are a lot more complete in of themselves than, uh, than uh, you know, than his film was. I think it's a little bit misleading, honestly. You're going to watch a feature, not an episode of something, and it feels exactly like an episode of something that takes two hours to complete. You know, that that's that's my feeling at least. And the most egregious part, in my opinion, is that the pacing of the film is slow, slow, like, like, like not slow because I actually really love slow burn films. So my favorite films are what people would consider slow burn films. That's not the problem I have with it. I don't, I don't usually actually don't even like when films attempt relentless pace because so few can do it well. This film, I felt like it was really loving itself the entire time, if you get what I'm saying. It was really reveling in its own, you know, awesomeness. It's like, look at this worm. It's huge. Look at this city. It's unique. Look at this mystery dream. It's a mystery, (laughs) you know? And it just kept going through those things. And that meant I wasn't bored at any point in the entire film but by, that meant by the end of the film i felt like all my time had been taken advantage of you know <laughs> like that two hours didn't really amount to much except for telling me details that would be important uh not for this film at all but for the rest of the series there's a lot of staring off into the distance for long periods of time there's a lot of like self-important like internal monologues that I felt were a little melodramatic. And the whole thing just kind of came off as melodramatic at the end of it because I had no core reason to care about the melodrama. I don't care if it's melodramatic if you suck me into that that space, you know? I have to be on board with the melodrama, you know? <laughs> like, if, I, if, if it's just melodramatic, it comes off as a little bit corny, right? If uh, we get these, like, long stares off into the distance, but I don't see why I should care about this character's long 
uh, stare off into the distance of the sand and you know look at this desolate place it's it's horrid it, it's uh yeah okay but like why is do i care because you could make any story where there's a horrid you know place and the gaze off into the to the arid desert but it has to yeah, mean well, something just look at look at the uh first episode of star wars episode four you know right right yeah it it has to mean something and you know once it means something the stare becomes vastly more interesting because now i'm looking at i'm looking at a great film as an example as to long uh shots of just faces is psycho by alfred alfred hitchcock there's a very long sequence in that film where we're just looking at the main character's face as she's fleeing and it's very long, and it's a long. It's literally just a long take. Nothing interesting. She's literally in a car. It's a close-up, so you can't even see much. It's just her face as she's driving. It works extremely well, and it doesn't feel self-indulgent. Why? Because it means something, and it's like it. It it had already the film had already created the meaning behind that shot by the time we got there. So now I'm looking at every twitch of her face, every emotion. I'm trying to read her mind, right? As we all naturally do when in these sorts of moments in films we we're like we're trying to read the character's mind because they're not saying anything right that's the, the source of tension right this film sort of created these moments that didn't mean anything where we're staring off to the distance okay i get it you're sad because you're in the desert great so what <laughs> you know like i get i already know that emotion you're 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 in the desert or you're 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 sad because this just happened and it's tragic okay great what does that mean for you as as a person deeper you know didn't really answer those questions or even try to hint at them in an interesting way so it felt like the movie could have been the story could have been told in an hour or maybe a half hour that like that's how long dragged the pacing was and it had these gigantic action sequence like gigant marvel sized fight scenes and it just didn't mean anything to me at the end of it you know i was like okay well choreographed well, uh, sometimes well choreographed fight scene, you know, okay, so, <laughs> you know, like, what does this mean? Okay, this character got stabbed. All right. I didn't really care about him already because he didn't give me enough time with him, enough real quality time with the character to, to, to care about who that is, you know? And then I remembered that Denis Villeneuve is also the person who made Arrival. Then, as I thought about it, I was like, this reminds me so much of Arrival, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Have you seen Arrival, uh, either of you? Have either of you seen Arrival? Yeah, I, I saw that I saw in theaters. Oh, you saw it with me, Nathan? Yeah, I think so. I've, okay. I've seen it, though, sure. Yeah, uh, what, what did you guys think of it? <laughs> I thought it was a terrible film. Really? It's been yeah. a very long time. Uh, I don't can't remember the specifics, but I do, I do remember I like the concept, and... I've actually it has seeped into my game game idea brainstorming, and the concepts are uh, that are displayed are interesting to play with. I don't think I didn't like it though when I watched it, but I also don't think I thought it was anything crazy. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Like, if this movie wasn't presented to me, or and same thing with Arrival as this earth-shattering concept, I probably would have walked away being like, okay, I entertained myself for a few hours, you know. And, you know, at the end of the day, I've given both of those films the same score, I think, of a two and a half out of five, which to me is average, which normally films that I can, you know, are forgettable kind of go in that sort of uh, 
that score range, you know, they could, you know, I didn't waste my time per se, but I also didn't like, you know, I didn't get anything out of it, which is, I guess, a negative sentiment. And so like Arrival felt, I mean, this film felt very much so like Arrival. And I realized that I have the same problem with Arrival as I have with this film in terms of how I'm not getting what people like about them, you know? In Arrival, a lot of people are like, this is so deep and meaningful and, you know, I didn't think so when I watched it. And I've, and trust me, I tried to understand people's love for Arrival. And if you love Arrival, I would love to hear from you for sure. I was trying to understand, okay, this thing about language, okay, I mean, I got it the first time you explained it and I still, that's exactly what I got out of the film when I watched it, okay. You know, these character things, okay, I understood all of that when I watched it, but these to me were not deep things they felt more like what i call deepities which are like you know people feel like they're saying something deep but it's not really that deep like uh something like we are all one you know it's like okay great now (laughs) there's nothing to extract from that really you know like you know it's not it's something that sounds deep you know it's not something that really unless you expand on that idea in a deep way, right? Which would be a little bit different. Arrival and Dune feel very similar where it feels self-important, like look at this deep thing, but then it's not a deep thing that I'm looking at. It's, I'm looking at an average thing, you know? <laughs> and every time you do that, it kind of pulls me out of the space because I'm like, I don't think you're as clever as you think you are, or that's not the right word. I don't know, just as interesting. As, as you think you are, if that makes sense. You know, and Arrival had these long blank characters as well. It was in that era where there were a lot of these characters, Arrival uh, was made, where the, you had these main characters, predominantly female, which Arrival also has, that are just blank slates. Like, they don't talk much, but they're not talking much. It doesn't add anything to them. Uh, they're sort of existential-ish, but they don't expound on anything besides I'm existential-ish. Right, like that—that's the—that's the extent to which they have a character. That era was fraught with them, and I felt like I returned to that era with the main character, who's played by uh, Tilly, Timothy Chalamet, who's been uh, quite the uh, pop star of late. Um, not pop and music in terms of music, but you know, popular person. Um, and uh, I've seen uh, The King, which has him as well, and I know he's a good actor. You know, he's—he's really—he's pretty good. I don't think he's like the best thing I've ever seen, but he's pretty good. And in this film, he does pretty good. Everyone does pretty good. You know, and at the end of any scene I see with Timothy Chalamet just sort of introspecting in his head, I don't even have purchase to what he's thinking. Not even the first clue as to what he's thinking. In fact, I'm not even given a reason to care why I should care about what he's thinking, right? So every time I get that, he's sitting there and he's eating or something like that, or he's thinking about what he just heard... It's good acting because that's what he's given. But like in terms of what I get, I get nothing, you know? (laughs) And so I'll wrap up with this basically. At the end of it, I felt as though I got nothing more than what should have been a great fun blockbuster turned into a melodramatic sort of prequel, half prequel, I should say, is really what it felt like. You know, non-complete story ended on a cliffhanger that didn't really make me want to see the next film felt slightly misled and uh that's a shame because i really wanted to like this film all the stuff i saw from you know the marketing and stuff like that a lot of these shots were grand and beautiful and they were there 
but they didn't mean anything at the end of the day, which is what you really get excited for, is that these grand shots would mean even more in, in their context, right? That's the same. If it was marketed, if I, if I had a different, uh, you know, expectation going in, I probably would have been like, hey, I'm probably going to forget everything that happened in this film. I'm probably not going to be jumping to see the next one, you know, anytime soon or anything like that. But, I, you know, I spend my money and, you know, I, I didn't. I don't feel like I got scammed per se. You know, that probably would have been the vibe coming out of it. I think this film as a blockbuster film would have been a lot better if it just drove up the pace to 1000, you know, and, and tried to go for that breakneck pacing. And then by the end of it, I think I would have been like, okay, I want to see the next one because that was a white knuckle experience. You didn't give me time to breathe. You know, it's not about introspection. It's about the, the, the raw action, politic, and, and, and relation, you know, not on a deep level. But the film didn't seem like it was going for that. It seems like it was going for something deeper and slower. I just think it, it was unwarranted. And that is why I also think that the score ended up the way it was because I think it was trying to be blank as the characters are. It, it, it just felt oppressive at the end of the day. But I am not the authority on, on these things, and I really want to understand. So if you uh, disagree with me, uh, just hit me up on our Discord, link in the description, and I will happily chat with you and probably bring up our conversation or uh, your comment on the next show, because I would like to understand. I'd be really curious what you think of... Um... The Green Knight, Irving. Oh, you, yeah. I, I, that has a Matt Damon in it, correct? Or I don't remember. <laughs> actors generally mean nothing to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I watched that with my uh, my two brothers, and everyone I know, including them, they all thought it was a great film. Like, oh, this is terrible. So I don't know. I mean, just from your description of Dune, I, I feel like I'd be interested in what you think of the, of that film. Mm, yeah, yeah. It was definitely on the list of things I could have seen because um, I've seen a lot of buzz about uh, The Green Knight as well. So maybe I'll check it out uh, for next time. It, it was a weird day. I had seen three very different films in the same day. I saw Encanto, which is a Disney film, <laughs> um, in the morning You know, at a Showtime theater that was very low quality. And the film was... Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda, our... Uh, Ben, uh, but his music was terrible in that film. I gotta tell you. <laughs> well, is it? I mean, his songs. He didn't write the score, right? I'm trying to remember who did the score. No, it was just his song. I'm talking about his songs in particular were terrible. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, I think I think John Powell is like officially score consultant on that, whatever that means. All the music was bad except for the the actual Colombian music, which was good. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting there baffled. I'm like, aren't we supposed to be inviting as many diverse voices as possible into these films? But then it seems like no Colombian person. My wife is Colombian, by the way, um, or at least Colombian in familial origin. And uh, it just felt devoid of actual like relation to the culture. Um, but that's a whole other rant for a different uh, for a different show. And I thought they dropped the ball. The music was the worst part by far um, of the whole thing. I think. Uh, but again. 2.5 as well, which means, you know, if you, if you showed your kids this and they came away, like, amused, then, you know, okay, I, get, I can get the amused part. But, I, you know, nothing more than amused. Could have spent your time doing something else. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then I had seen this film in IMAX, and then I saw at home uh, It's a Wonderful Life, which I've never seen before. 
And uh, that is one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. It joined my five out of five club, uh, which only has 11 films in it. So that is a rare event when that happens. And whenever it happens, it feels great. <laughs> and uh, just perfect film. Um, so it made Dune feel even worse to me <laughs> after I watched It's a Wonderful Life. Because <laughs> I was just like, maybe I'm just off today. Maybe it's, maybe I'm just like not getting it today. I'm in a bad mood or something. And then I watched It's a Wonderful Life. And I was like, no, just Dune, Dune is not doing it for me. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. That's my thoughts. Roast me. I don't want to cause no problems I just want to live my life But I keep on hearing about nonsense Me and my dons ain't mobsters But you know when you see imposters We know how to read them faces Same way you know how to read them comments If you want to talk, let's talk But around here, make sure you walk and your talk is constant